All right, let's go. Inconvenient moment, okay? That's what we're looking at. Have you ever had what I consider a life-defining moment? You're going through life and something happens, like just happened when I was talking to you about coming up here right now, okay? And you had an opportunity. Yes, I'm going to get help, or no, I'm too afraid and I am sweating like a dog up here. Please stop stalking, topping, talking and get into the message, Pastor Joe, because I do not want to get up. You have a life-defining moment where you walk into a situation and your boss says, I am going to put you in charge of, and you know that there is no way that you could ever do that. Or you have a life-defining moment where you walk in and the boss says, hey, guess what? I've got to let you go. Or you have a life-defining moment where you're going along and you see something and, and your heart says, I wonder if I should, and that's your awareness that the answer is yes. Henry Blackaby will say that God puts people and situations in front of you and that is your invitation to deal with it not your invitation to call the local church and say hey you know what we should deal with <laughs> first of all you deal with it i know but it might get expensive that's jesus's point is that we invest our lives and our souls in the people around us but there are life-defining moments that come and god invites us to set aside our agenda and it's like is it possible god that you really mean this here's the deal those moments come and it's not like uh no other moments will come but this moment won't ever come again but those moments come and you have to decide is this jesus speaking into my life is this the holy spirit saying here's your opportunity and you're like i don't know i'll miss work i might get fired this might happen that might happen or is this you just going every time i see something i hear pastor joe ringing in my head get out of the left lane don't do this don't do that and so you have to decide but listen to me, it's important that you have a close personal relationship with Jesus because when those moments come, you need to be able to lean on Him and you need to hear the voice of God. You need to know that that is God who is speaking to you through His Holy Spirit in your soul. And you jump on those moments and I promise, those are moments that will change your life forever. And they are not always moments that will make you Bill Gates. If that, well, yes, Pastor Joe, I'm just waiting on that one. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. Okay? There was a moment like that in the book of Luke. There's a family that Jesus was particularly close to. And an inconvenient moment arrived. I do my best to listen to my wife. I said I do my best. Okay? And as much as it lies within me, I live in all peace with my wife. The scripture says to do that. Well, with all people, but I apply it to my relationship to my wife. It used to be, before I was ever a pastor, I would be at home and I would meet somebody um, at church. And I, excuse me, I would be at church and I would meet somebody before I was ever a pastor and I would say, hey, why don't you come on over to our house for dinner? And about two minutes before we left church, I would have about six people coming home for lunch. And I would say to my wife, hey, I invited three families home for dinner. That's great. And she would say, what? We have three kids. We make $6.25 an hour. I prepare dinner for seven of us because one of the children likes to eat. And that's all we have. And I'm like, oh, it'll be okay. And so they would come. This only happened once or twice. So when I say I used to, I don't mean a lot. It happened once or twice. And my wife would sit me down and say, now listen, 
If you're going to invite somebody to dinner, let's do it before Sunday morning at such and such a time. Or, here's a better thing, check with me first. She wants to know, does she have to go lay hands on the loaves and fishes and multiply it? And I just want you to know, I have seen that woman turn, you know, mashed potatoes for four into mashed potatoes for 15, and it happened. And I don't know how, but it just kept getting mashed potatoes out of the big pot. They just kept coming. They did, and mashed potatoes is good, staple, fill-you-up food, and, and that's good. But you know what it's like when somebody just kind of shows up at your door, and you're like, oh, no, what do we have in the freezer? What do we have that we can feed them? That's this story in the book of Luke, chapter 10. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and they're kind of headed toward Jerusalem, <clears throat> to the crucifixion specifically, I mean. It says, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister who was called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister there has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to get up and help me right now. I added the right now. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So do you see the picture? Jesus has some friends, and particularly this one family, Mary, Martha, and Luke, okay? Excuse me, Lazarus, my bad, in the book of Luke. And so we have this story, and as it unfolds, Jesus shows up at Martha's house, and it's described as Martha's house. It's not described as Mary's house, and it's not described as Lazarus's house. It's described as Martha's house. So let's just go with the fact that Martha, maybe her husband, maybe no husband, owns this house. Apparently, Mary is there, and usually her brother Lazarus as well. This is the same Lazarus that Jesus raises from the dead. This is the same Lazarus that comes back two chapters after he gets raised from the dead, and all the Jewish leaders want to kill Lazarus on account of, the Bible says, on account of people are giving their life to Jesus because Lazarus was raised from the dead, so now they want to kill Lazarus and Jesus. And so that's this family. And so this is a situation. They're having a day. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and knocks on the door. Martha swings the door open, and there stands Jesus. And Jesus is looking right at her. And what's she going to do? Culturally, she is supposed to welcome him in. And she welcomes him in. Apparently, he's known to be a teacher to them even at this point. He sits down. He begins to discuss with people. They're having a conversation. It's absolutely amazing. Mary hears it. I don't know what the real culture is. I know what the, the, the uh, preaching um, real culture is. Women stay in the kitchen. Men stay in the living room. Everybody listen. You know what I mean? But it, it doesn't appear that was such a big deal because Mary sat right down and started listening to Jesus. So she wasn't afraid of that cultural norm, if it really was a cultural norm, um, to, to, to say. So, so she's sitting there, and she's listening to Jesus, and Jesus is expounding on things, and she's loving it, and she's taking it in, and it's absolutely wonderful. Martha, on the other hand, believes that she has guests in the house, and as a result of having guests in the house, she needs to provide for them. She needs to get some, some chips and queso right now. At least you can have chips and queso. You know, they can snack. Maybe we've got, you know, some more hors d'oeuvres that we could possibly lay out for them. I love um, when I came to know Jesus and I began to interact with my wife's family. 
Um, not when I was interacting with my wife, just when I was interacting with her family, okay, because she was too young back then. And, but they had this, this standing thing. If guests came in, they needed to have something to offer them. And it came to the place where when guests came in, they were always offered Schwann's ice cream or popcorn, or Schwann's ice cream and popcorn. And there was a freezer in the basement, the kind with the little lids that you lift up, the little square lids. And in, the, in each one was a big pail, like a two-and-a-half-gallon pail, gallon-and-a-half pail, whatever it was, two-and-a-half-gallon pail. She's going, yeah, it's two-and-a-half-gallon. Okay, so two-and-a-half-gallon pail in a tin container, um, I mean a metal container, absolutely beautiful canister, okay, about that big around of vanilla and chocolate and rocky, it was like going to the ice cream store. And after, the first time, people would go get you ice cream. Pop would say, her, her father, we called him Pop, he would say, what kind, of, what kind of ice cream do you want? And whoever he sent to the basement to get the ice cream, they would bring you that kind of ice cream. You had to have something to offer guests. The second time you were there that it happened, you got sent to the basement because you got ice cream last time, so now you're the server, not the servee. But that's the situation here. Jesus shows up and Mary's just, or Martha's just trying to be hospitable. And she's like, we have got to feed these people. We have got to, what she is doing is not wrong. Because according to Paul, when he writes to Timothy and when he writes to Titus, one of the things, if you're going to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you have to be, and here it comes, one of the gifts is hospitality. You've got to be hospitable. You've got to be willing to open up your home. So it's not wrong that Mary is scurrying back and forth and feels like she's contributing somehow to this prophet, this rabbi, this teacher. It's not inappropriate at all, but she had to make a decision in the moment. I would say that this was not the first time she met Jesus. I would suggest that Jesus showed up. She opened the door. There's Jesus. She says, come in. Are you hungry? Mary sees Jesus and says, yes, I love this part, and goes into the living room, if there's a, a separate room, and sits down at his feet and starts listening. Remember, his disciples are with him, so it's not just one guy. And let's just limit the disciples to 12 at this point, not the 120 or the thousands that followed after him at times, okay? And so this is what's going on. And she has a problem. She has a big problem. She's got to decide, am I going to go make food because somehow my, my worth is found in providing for people. If I don't make something, people won't be proud of me. If I don't feed them, somehow they won't like me. If, if I don't contribute to the potluck, then somehow people are going to go, you didn't contribute to the potluck. How, what are you doing here? See, and, and that's how we operate. And some of you are like, yeah, I relate to Martha. Please stop talking about Martha. Please stop talking about Martha. All right? And some of you are Mary. You're like, Jesus is here. We're going to have a party. Yay, this is great. Everybody sit down, sit down, sit down. Come in, here's the chair. Let's sit here. Jesus, go ahead and say something smart. And that's you. And when you get up and Jesus leaves, you're like, I was there. I was at the party. Dave Ramsey would say, some of you okay, are a free spirit, a free, a free spirit, and some of you are the, what's the other word? You're what? Say it loud. A nerd. Okay? Martha is the nerd, and Mary is the free spirit. Martha's like, immediately she shifts into Enneagram whatever number, okay? And that is not of the devil. We can discuss that later, okay? It's not a pentagram either, so stop that, okay? But, but she shifts into whatever number she is, and she starts taking control, and she's, she's a leader. Martha is a leader. There is no, Mary is a follower, but Martha is a leader, and it's not bad. We, Martha gets a bad rap. It's not wrong what she did. 
She just made a different choice than Mary. And there was a better choice according to Jesus. And all Jesus was saying is, thank you for your hospitality. You don't have to serve me. You don't have to feed me. It's okay with me. I wanted to come in and be here. And so she comes in and she sits down. But Mary's the free spirit. She's like me. I relate to Mary. Woohoo! We're going to have a party. It's going to be great. Martha, could you get this? Hey, Martha, can you get that? You can just see Martha back there going, oh, Mary, come back in this room one time. I'll whop you with this rolling pin right upside the head. Could I just, Mar- uh, Mary, could I see you for a second, please? Could you come in here and help me carry this? And she knows what's coming. She said, no. I am not getting up from Jesus' feet because I might be dead before Jesus gets dead and you know, is raised from the dead. So it's like, no, I am not going in the kitchen where, where Martha is. But still, Mary is that person. And I want to share with you that Jesus speaks to Mary and says, you have chosen the better thing. And he says it to Martha, but, but we had to understand Mary is saying there. Because Mary saw God in the inconvenient moment. Mary saw God in the inconvenient moment. Martha opens a door in my head. Martha opens the door. Jesus is standing there. Decisions have to be made. And Mary is like, yes, something spiritual and wonderful and godly is about to take place. I want to hear what Jesus has to say. I, I want to stay here. And she sees, she sees, yes, this is an inconvenient, inconvenient moment, but God is here. God is in it. And there's the guy standing in front of you with a sign that says, we'll work for food. It's an inconvenient moment. I'm not saying every time you see a guy with a cardboard sign, you would never move forward. You mean you'd go from intersection to intersection to intersection and never move. What I am saying is, are you interacting with God up in heaven enough that when you do see one and the Holy Spirit says this one, because I do believe he says that, you hear it. And you do something about it. Or, let's just be honest, 100% of the time are you too busy. You don't have enough time because it's slipping into the future and you want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Oh, oh, there's a revolution. Mary saw God in the inconvenient moment. And I wonder, do you hear, do you see God speaking to you every day? Do you hear God calling to you and showing you and inviting you? Maybe God's convicting you. Maybe God is saying something about your life. And the question is, what are you going to do about it? And more than that, when are you going to do about it? Maybe God's been trying to get you to go to your neighbor. I was talking to a child yesterday that was telling me that they're making cupcakes. And I said, what are you making cupcakes for? And they said, to take to the neighbor. They said, we have new neighbors. And we're taking cupcakes to the new neighbors. She was so excited that whatever yesterday was supposed to hold, time got put on hold and cupcakes were being made to welcome the next door neighbors. And I don't doubt, knowing this person, an invitation to church. But when are you going to do it? Because how many times have I driven past somebody and said, oh man, next time I'm going to... And when next time comes, oh! And see, and I keep doing that over and over again. Do you see God moving in your home? Do you see God moving in your heart? 
When Jesus moves, it's not a slow moving in. It's kind of like suddenly he's there. Jesus approaches the disciples and says, hey, come follow me. Jesus approaches the woman at the well and says, hey, give me a drink. Jesus shows up at a wedding and boom, he's involved. Jesus wants to feed these 5,000. He wants to teach them and boom, he's making a, 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 a statement to his disciples about are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? Jesus walks up and boom, he heals somebody right there in the moment, no warning. He just shows up. And it would be so much easier if he would say, in about a week, I'm going to send you over to Walmart. You're going to see somebody like this. And when you see that, I want you to do something about it. And I want you, but so many times God just says, okay, boom, I want you to do something. I want you to do it. And believe it or not, those are the times when God is interacting with you that can actually change the rest of your life. You know how many people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm just not feeling very spiritual anymore. I just feel dry. I just feel spiritually empty. I just feel like nothing's going on. And when I begin to say, well, have you ever prayed for somebody other than at church? Have you ever prayed for somebody for healing? Have you ever seen somebody and just simply said, you know what, I feel like I should go pray for that person. And you walk up and, and you're one of those people that, that begins to say, hey, you know what? I'm not trying to be weird or anything. Well, pretty much you are, but I'm not trying to be weird or anything. But I just really feel overwhelmed that God wants you to know that he loves you. And could I please pray for you? Sometimes people will say yes. And sometimes people will say no. But you still were obedient. Because I believe that God still heals today. He's just looking for people that are willing to be available in an inconvenient moment. But that makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? And that's okay. That's all right. Are you too busy for an inconvenient moment? Time is like gold for you and I. If we just had a little more time for our marriage, if we just had a little more time to play with our kids, if we just had a little more time for vacation, a little more time for recreation, a little more time for lunch, but time is super finite as you and I experience it. You only have so much. All the days ordained for you were written down in God's book, David said, before one of them came to pass. You have a finite number of days. It's like money in your pocket. There's only so much. And some of you are like, there's no money in my pocket at all today. It's like, okay, I hope your house is in order. <laughs> I don't want to get prophetic. I just want to say, you can give me $10. I'm not asking you to. But you can run out and earn that $10, can't you? You can spend another hour or so doing something to earn that $10. But if you give me an hour of your time, if you give me 40 minutes of your time this morning, I hold that sacred because you will never, ever, ever get this time back. Ever. And I have to stop and say, God, what do you want to say? It's super limited it, it, it's like watching sand fall through an hourglass like this you just see it fall and fall and fall and if you've ever sat there and been absolutely mesmerized by you know a fancy hourglass and you could just sit there and watch it fall and fall and fall and once it starts going down you start going oh, 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 it's, it's about to go it's, it's about to end it's about to end that's our time that's the time that god has given to us and it's just like that. Can you imagine knowing the day that you're going to leave this earth? If Jesus would say, in two weeks and 15 hours, I'm going to bring you home, what would you do 
with that time? What would you do? If Jesus said, Thursday at 4.37, how would that begin to change the way you spent your time? Do you have time for church? I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. Clearly, you said, you know what? This is important. Inconvenient? It was snuffly warm in the bed this morning. The pillow felt really good. The little puppies in the other room, for the most part, we've been quiet at this point. And that's a big deal in my house right now, okay? Because there's eight of them. At six o'clock, they go off like chickens. But they were being quiet. And I was loving the time. Do you have time to get involved in the kingdom of God in a local church, whether this one or another one? Do you have time to be in a small group? Because that's where we want you to find pastoral care. Do you have time to realize the importance of community for you and for your family to be surrounded? Mary did. She was in the house. All of a sudden, boom, he's here. We're hanging out with him. So Mary saw God in... How did I say that before? Let me just back up here. It says, Mary saw God, yeah, in the inconvenient moment. But listen to this. Martha saw God inconvenient in the moment. So Mary sees God in the inconvenient moment, but Martha sees God as inconvenient in the moment. God, this is inconvenient. You are wearing me out. I'm trying, I, I've got to make some chips and salsa. I've got, to make, I've got to put a pot roast on. I've got to pray over this meatloaf that I made and hope it stretches to you and your disciples. God, won't you pray over my meatloaf and make it stretch for you and your disciples? Won't you just take these rocks and make bread, Jesus? I mean, clearly he had the authority and the power over all natural things. But Martha was that person that just was like, eh, and she failed to see the importance of the relationship. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, to push her button a little bit. But it was just more important to get the teaching because Jesus is here for such a short time. So Mary saw God in the inconvenient moment, but Martha saw God inconvenient in the moment. God, this, I, I don't like you asking this of me. And Mary, on the other hand, was going, it's inconvenient, but something's about to happen. And that's where I want to hope you'll be. If you've got time for inconvenient moments, how do you prioritize your life? Check your spending. Check your lifestyle. Check your relationships. Where your money, your heart is, Jesus said. Do people find it strange that you don't run with them? The scripture says. And as much as it lies within you, the writer of the book of Hebrews said, be at peace with all men. See? Check that out. What happens when somebody brings you what I call an ask? Hey, could you do this for me? Oh man, are you kidding me? You know, you don't say that, right? There's some things we don't say. I walked into the donut shop today. Well, that's a whole other me uh, metaphor. Let's let that go this morning. I'm trying to be at peace with that, okay? Bavarian cream is custard, okay? Come on. All right, so there it is. But when somebody comes and says, I have an ask of you, could you help? I really should. Never mind. Um, it, it was, it's gone. The moment I blessed her and moved on with my life, okay? Clearly not. But um, here it is. Okay, what's the ask? When somebody comes and says, will you do this, are you like, oh, man, you know, I've had people come and say, 
Um, aren't you the pastor of the vineyard? Yes. Could you come and do a funeral? Oh, are you kidding me? I don't know you. I don't know your grandfather's second cousin from his mother twice removed who died up on a hill somewhere between Kentucky and West Virginia. No, I don't know. I know, but could you come speak a few words? What do you want me to say? I, it's inconvenient. Yes. I'll be there. That's what I say. Yes, I'll be there. But I don't say, yes, I'll be there, now you owe me. See? I say, yes, I'll be there. Because if I do it, I'm doing it for Jesus. I don't know this person, I don't know their grandpa's second removed from, you know, and all like that. I don't know that. But it doesn't mean it's not okay for me to be inconvenienced to show them the love of God. Okay? There are, there are moments in your life that will only appear once. And you have to decide what you're going to do. You don't have any control of them, some of them. Your birth and your death, you have no control. None. Those only appear once. Okay? And there they are. They can, they don't always, but they can be the defining factor for the rest of your life. Will you take the plunge or will you cower out? God called a man named Noah. I want you to build an, uh, an ark. It's a yes or a no. That's all God wanted from him, a yes or a no in 120 years of his life. God called Abraham and said, I want you to leave your father, your mother, your home, and everything and come with me to a land that I'm going to show you. Abraham didn't say, where are we going? Let me see it first. You got any pictures? Can I see, like, you got a YouTube video, Lord? I want to see what it looks like. He just simply said, yes, I'll go. God called David, little shepherd, young man. I want you to go kill that giant. David knew in his heart what was being asked of him when he ran down that hill to kill that giant. God called a man named Simon and gave him the name Peter, and he just simply said, follow me. And Peter left the biggest catch of fish he had ever caught in his life on the shore, all the money on the shore, and walked away. And listen to me. God is calling you. I have a sickness in my life where I see God in all kinds of things specifically in, in um, entertainment clips. So I'll be watching a movie and it'll be like, oh man, now that right there would make a great, great sermon illustration. I could probably make a whole series out of that. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Leave the sin and take what God offers you. The cannoli is good. I'm not telling you to go watch that movie. I'm just saying I saw it when I was a heathen and I remember that clip. But I'll be watching it. But I'm going to be honest with you. One of my favorite truths and truth is Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. If it's true, it's God. I don't care what religion or anything that it comes from. It, I'm not saying they are godly. I'm saying if it's true, it's God. If a truth pops into your heart and you know this is the truth, then it's God, regardless of who quotes it. And so one of my favorite truths comes in a moment in the original Transformer movie. Bumblebee comes drifting by, and Whitwicky jumps in the driver's seat. And he tells that nasty, ugly model of a girlfriend of his, I think the, the car wants you to get in. And she's hesitant, but it's a defining moment. And he says to her, 50 years from now, when you're looking back at your life, don't you want to be able to say you had the guts to get in the car? 25, 30 years from now, if Jesus is still leading you, 
Don't you want to say you had enough sense to surrender? Don't you want to say you had enough sense to get in that baptism tank? Don't you want to say you had enough sense to go forward and get prayer? Don't you want to look back at that one defining moment? You've got to make a decision. And you said, I made the right one. Years and years ago, Jesus said, Joe, it's me or nothing. And I said, it's you. And then a couple of years later, he said, it's Joe, it's pastoral ministry or it's nothing. And I said, it's pastoral ministry. He said, it's Oklahoma or nothing. And I said, it's Oklahoma. He said, it's Kentucky now. And I said, it's Kentucky. It didn't matter to me. They were moments that I didn't hate. But I got excited about because I knew I was hearing the voice of God. And there was no doubt in my mind when he said, quit that job, start that, meet these people, go speak to them, give that money, go on this mission trip. I knew it was God. And I'm not saying every one of you is being called into the ministry, but there is something that you're being called to. Go to your neighbor. Invite a friend. Make up with somebody that you are at odds with. Get it right until you get it right. And come and chase after me. Because that's the way it is with Jesus. He's leading you into things that are going to be defined by inconvenient moments in 2019. And, and some of them are not going to be big like a you know, robot car just, you know, you know, Tokyo drifts right up to you. It's not going to be that. It's going to be somebody that needs help. It's going to be somebody that was mean to you. It's going to be somebody that was ugly to you. It's going to be somebody that hurt you. It's going to be moving. And it doesn't make any sense. It's going to be taking a different career than the one you got a diploma for. But you've got to be willing to go all in. This week, I want to encourage you to look for God wherever you're going for those little inconvenient moments and celebrate them all over social media. Let's put some hope and joy back into this world because we're willing to do it and we're not waiting for somebody else to do it. Paul wrote to the Hebrews in Hebrews 13, 1-3, he said, Let brotherly love continue don't forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. You know there are angels walking on this earth. Yes, my girlfriend, she is an angel. My wife brought me breakfast in bed. She is an angel. No, that's not how it works. Angels are created to serve us. We don't become angels. Please, Lock that into your heart, okay? There are honestly angels on this earth. And Paul says, we entertain them when we serve them, when we interact with them. He says, remember the prisoner as if you were chained with them. Pray for them, care for them, go visit them. He said, remember those that are mistreated since you yourself are also in the body with them. They are your brother or your sister. And they're not doing it right, are they? They're not doing it like you. They're not doing it fun. They're not doing it good. They're doing it awful. They need to change. They do. But they need us to walk with them. They need us to walk with them. So I want to encourage you. 50 years from now, when you look back at your life, 
Don't you want to be thankful that you had the guts to get in that tank and get baptized? Don't you want to celebrate that you actually took the time to give God your life and not to bring God into your life, but to surrender to Him? To say, I'm going to do things God's way from here on out. I'm going to raise my kids in the church. I'm going to raise my kids knowing what it means to pray. I'm going to raise my kids celebrating people. I'm going to raise my kids ministering to the neighbors. I'm going to raise my kids. I'm going to pour into my marriage and stop demanding that he or she do it my way. I'm going to stop trying to control the whole relationship. and I'm going to build it up with goodness and with mercy. I'm going to do justly. I'm going to walk in mercy. I'm going to love mercy. I'm going to walk in humility with the people around me. What about that? What about that? I'm not sure what you're going through this morning if you've interacted with one of those moments. And and I don't know if there's just something you're facing. Look for inconvenient moments. And this is an inconvenient moment. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, you feel the darkness is holding on to you telling you don't do it maybe you're facing something and you're trying to say is it God is it not God these people want to pray for you can you get inconvenienced and come up here and let them pray for you because all they want to do is bring the blessing of God down into your life that's all and this is where it starts it just starts today so as we go into the song you feel free to come on up here